Okay, sit in, settle in, brush a long one this morning. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at forgiveness, and we're going to carry that on this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 6. We'll start in verse 9. Before we do that, uh, we did this, James did this a couple of weeks ago, I did it three weeks ago. I'd just like us to take a little bit of time, just in a little bit more silence. I think silence is good for us. And just to welcome the Spirit of God here in this place. And for us to ask him, just in his goodness and grace, just to bring to the surface any areas of unforgiveness that God may want to be dealing with in our lives. I'm just going to take a a couple of minutes. This is just between you and God. And all you're doing is you're asking him by his Holy Spirit to just bring to mind any hurts or any pain that he wants to come into, any wounds that he wants to bring his healing to. We're just going to take, as I say, a few moments. I'll pray at the end. I just encourage you to be still. Close your eyes if you're comfortable. Just let's invite the Holy Spirit and let him speak to you. There's no need to go digging around. No need to root around for uh, something that's not there. It's just listen uh, for and to the voice of God and see what he brings to mind. Okay? So we'll just take a minute or so in silence. Father, we thank you for your presence. We welcome your Holy Spirit. We just say, come, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your presence. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would brood over us, hover over us this morning, that you would have your way with us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would continue to speak to us through the Scriptures. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And here comes the hard part. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
So here we've got the disciples, and they're saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us to pray. And uh, Jesus does. He teaches them to pray. And not only does he teach them to pray, he teaches us how to pray. But what he does in this thing that we know as the Lord's Prayer is he sort of unpacks all of this stuff about how to do life in the kingdom of God. And if you look at that, you'll notice that Jesus is really assuming that we are going to both uh, need to receive forgiveness and give forgiveness, like regularly, like daily. I mean, the Lord's Prayer, this is really a, a framework for daily prayer. And I think one of the things that he's saying is that we're going to need, all of us, to engage with this whole subject of forgiveness on a daily basis, on a regular basis. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but it's like, just as we need oxygen daily, forgiveness is like the oxygen of the kingdom of God. We, we breathe in forgiveness from our Heavenly Father as we receive it, and we breathe out forgiveness as we extend forgiveness to those around us who may have hurt us. We breathe forgiveness in and out. It's like the very air that gives us life. And, and just like breathing, forgiveness, this whole subject, it's, it's very normal. It's very, very healthy. And it's absolutely vital to sustain any kind of life in the kingdom. Someone uh, wrote this. They said, in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he emphasized the daily practice of forgiveness as a way of maintaining and sustaining relationships. Just like food, forgiveness sustains our life in community. Just like we can't live without daily bread, we cannot fully live our life in communion with one another and with God without the ability to grant and receive forgiveness. Forgiveness is an absolutely central part of doing life, especially in the kingdom of God. And if we want to experience life to the full, if we want to experience that abundance of life that Jesus has promised us, we're all going to have to work out what we think about this whole subject of forgiveness, and that's receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness, and how it is that we're actually going to do it when um, things go slightly passionate because it's absolutely vital to life in the kingdom. And as we saw from the end of that passage that we've just read, there's like this condition to being forgiven. If we want to receive forgiveness from God, which most of us do, all of us do, whether we realize it or not, um, we ourselves need to be forgiving people. And it's actually a pretty sobering thought. You know, the, the heart that is not open to offering forgiveness to others will find itself closed off from receiving forgiveness from God, which is great. So how do we do it? How do we actually forgive others so that we ourselves can be free, so that we can receive 
forgiveness from God? How do we actually get to that place of releasing those who've offended us, those who've upset us, those who've hurt us from their debt? You know, in doing that, when we actually, if we're being honest here, we don't feel like uh, we can or um, we actually don't really want to or we just can't for whatever reason. You know, what if we're in that place whereby it's like, I've tried, but actually um, I still, if I'm honest, I, I just want the person who hurt me to hurt. Like, they inflicted pain on me. I want them to experience and to suffer some kind of pain. They shouldn't get off the hook. They shouldn't be let off lightly. You know, that pain that they caused me, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'd quite like them to experience some of that pain, actually. You know, what if you're struggling with that? And maybe um, to give you some idea of what I'm talking about, it might be helpful um, if I walk you through some of the ways in which I've been learning uh, how to do this over the years. Um, So uh, indulge me if you don't mind. Uh, Forgiveness uh, has been an ongoing process for me personally, and I'm ashamed uh, to say uh, in one particular instance it's been um, an ongoing process for probably uh, somewhere around 15 to 20 years. Um, And in the scheme of, you know, hurts, Uh, that some of you will have experienced. You know, what I've experienced, it really isn't that big a deal, actually. Um, No one threatened my life. Uh, No one threatened the life of my loved ones. Uh, No one stole something from me. No one um, was inflicting some kind of physical uh, harm or suffering on me. But for me, um, a fundamental trust uh, was broken and a pretty devastating uh, blow was uh, wielded to my heart uh, that I am still (laughs) in process with and uh, I probably will be in process for a long while to come. Uh, Now, uh, just to be clear, uh, I'm pretty sure that none of you, apart from, of course, um, Kate, uh, know anything about this. Uh, which may well be another whole indicator of my dysfunctionality. Um, So you won't know the people involved. Don't worry, it's not about any of you. I'm not that careless. This isn't like a snide attempt to make you, to guilt you. When I start looking at you, it's like, remember? You're all like, who was I here 20 years ago? (laughs) Oh, gosh, no, it wasn't me. Um, (laughs) So don't worry, it's not about you. All right. Um, So some years ago now, clearly... Far too many years ago now, um, I felt like I'd, I felt like I'd given pretty much everything to um, to try and be a blessing to this person, to try and lighten their load, and really it was in an effort to make and to help make their walk with Jesus sort of easier and less burdened. Uh, and maybe that was maybe that was I went wrong in the first place. I don't know. Um, and anyway, for a good while things were going fine and things were going pretty well until for some reason. Um, and I still can't really put my finger on it, things just started going less well. And, and still, to this day, if I'm entirely honest, I, I don't entirely know what happened. I don't know if there was like one moment where things in our friendship just kind of went pear-shaped or whether it was like a culmination of a series of unfortunate events, some smaller offenses uh, that brought the whole thing down. I don't, I don't know. 
I, I'm not sure if it was something that I did, possibly, or whether it was something that they did, definitely. Um, but all you need to really know for the purpose of this morning and what we're looking at this morning is that I got, rightly or wrongly, spectacularly hurt. And my heart, um, let's just say, got properly broken, bashed, and bruised. Um, and while I can say, kind of looking back on it, that you know, it's it's likely, it's almost certain, you know, that I had some part to play in this whole thing. At the time, that wasn't first and foremost in my thinking. You know, my feelings at the time were, as Mal, I think Malvolio says in Twelfth Night, you know, you have done me wrong, notorious wrong. You know, and then he goes on to say, and I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you. You know, it's that, that was how I was feeling. But of course, being a good Christian boy, um, uh, as soon as I realized that I had been hurt, I was feeling hurt, and I felt like I'd been wronged and misunderstood and let down and, and, and a whole series of things, I forgave them. Uh, it was pretty much the first thing I did. And, and looking back, um, even though I said the words, and to be honest, it was through slightly gritted uh, teeth, um, I wasn't really, I wasn't really forgiving them. I wasn't forgiving anyone. I was just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm mean, lead a church after all. Like I'm supposed to be a professional forgiver. Um, anyway, clearly not. Um, and then, despite you know what I feel like genuinely was the best effort I could make to try and maintain the relationship, keep dialogue open, try and be gracious and humble, which as uh, any of you know me, doesn't come easily to me. You know, uh, I, I even was saying sorry, uh, and I was uh, repenting, I was saying how sorry I was for any offense that I'd caused, although to be honest, I, I couldn't think of anything that I could possibly have done. Uh, so I, I was apologizing for things, but I don't really know what I was actually apologizing for. But anyway, the relationship completely broke down. Uh, and by, by, what, by that, what I mean was, you know, the drawbridge was raised and the portcullis was lowered, and, and that was pretty much the end of that. And, and despite my initial and best, you know, um, Lord, I forgive them, prayers and supplications, uh, it wasn't actually until sort of that initial pain and hurt turned into anger and rage that I began to realize that maybe actually I hadn't quite forgiven uh, as fully as I had at first thought. And I knew I was in trouble a couple of years later, the first time uh, we bumped into one another somewhat unexpectedly. Now, I've got no idea what was going through their mind, but I know exactly what was going through my mind. And trust me, it was not good. Um, not my proudest moment. So I had this marvelous fake smile on, and behind my fake smile, my brain was like, ha, now's your chance. Now's your chance to get revenge. Let them, this is your moment, right? Because you haven't seen them. Like, now you can let them know how hurt you really are. You know, don't let them off. Make them suffer. Make them squirm. Oh, come up with some. Neil, you're really good at this. Come up with some really super sarcastic comment, right, that will cut them to the core. Like, you can do that. Inflict some kind of pain. Now, 
I can't remember what I said. I probably just tried to be really nice. But inside, I'm telling you, I was like seething. I was like this hotbed of rage. And then after that encounter, I started having trouble um, sleeping. <laughs> Great. And then uh, when I was sleeping, I'd find myself waking up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'd be like play-acting these scenarios in my head at like 3 o'clock in the morning, whereby I could like exact my revenge and get the justice I so deserved. Uh, I hope you're with me on this, or I don't know if I'm going to get like sectioned at the end. Anyway, um, I, I, like, I wanted people to know my side of the story, and no one really knew my side of the story, and I wanted everyone to know how like, wronged I'd been, and how maligned I was, and how I was completely innocent of all wrongdoing and stuff like that, and I was seething, like internally, externally, no, but internally, proper rage. And, and most of that rage was actually at the perceived injustice of it all, but it was also like at my utter powerlessness to get any kind of resolution. So all in all, I was in a pretty bad way. Uh, and I now felt like I've got to deal with all of this emotion and pain, none of which I'd actually asked for, because I was, as far as I was concerned, an innocent victim, bystander in all of this. Uh, I didn't feel responsible for any of it. Um, this was something that had been done to me. And in addition now to all of the hurt and the pain and the rejection, all of that kind of stuff and the betrayal that I'd experienced, I now have got to deal with myself and my heart and all of this rubbish that was kind of bubbling to the surface in really unhelpful and unhealthy ways. So this is like a proper double whammy, you know? And I felt like I'd just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they, meanwhile, just to add insult to injury, are completely, seemingly, completely oblivious to everything. They, to all intents and purposes, they're living life to the full, they're happy as Larry, they're untouched by any of it, you know? And I'm like this seething hotbed of rage, not, not happy. And that just made like, the whole thing even worse, made me feel even more determined to kind of find some public and shame, you know, public, uh, painful way of, of shaming them uh, for all their foul deeds. Anyway, the Lord had other plans. Now, in one sense, there's no happy ending to this story in that the relationship has completely broken down, nothing's been uh, resolved. Uh, no dialogue has been entered into. No resolution has come about. I hasten to add, not for want of trying on my part. Um, since then, it's just never been spoken about, uh, just kind of held at arm's length. And, and whatever happened has just never been mentioned. That's that. Uh, in another sense, this whole thing has an incredibly happy ending in that the Lord wins out, of course. And slowly but surely, I'm getting free. So... How did I get there? Or perhaps more accurately, how am I getting there? And I'm saying all of that just because I think there's some practical stuff influenced and informed by the scriptures and the teaching of Jesus on forgiveness that um, I've been using and thinking about and utilizing over these past 15, 20 years, and they might be helpful for you. Um, so just to give us some practical considerations on how we might actually work out and walk through forgiveness on a daily basis. So imagine a, a situation, if you can, uh, whereby someone has sinned against you in some way. They've offended you, they've upset you, they've hurt you, and you decide 
that you need to and you want to forgive them. And what I mean by that, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is that you are choosing to give up your right to pay them back. And what you are choosing to do is actually, instead of paying them back, you're going to absorb the pain of that situation and that experience. And you've come to that place, and now you're discovering that not only is God asking you to forgive them and to absorb the pain, but that God is actually asking you to go one step further than that. And he's asking you to go beyond just forgiving them, and he's actually inviting you into this place whereby you are loving them. You're like, seriously? All of that means we're going to have to find a way to replace all of the negative like emotions and stuff that we've experienced. You know, the resentment and the anxiety, the bitterness, the fear, whatever it is that kind of comes in at that point where we've been hurt. And we're going to have to find a way to, to exchange and replace all of that negative stuff with positive stuff and the stuff of the kingdom. Things like empathy, sympathy, love, compassion. And find those things and dig into those things and be able to express those things towards the person who has actually inflicted this pain on us. This is, a lo- this is lovely. This is amazing stuff. This is my favorite kind of subject. Yes, we just love all this stuff. Now, while we may not be able to, we can't change the circumstances of what happened. That, that's not going to get undone. What can certainly be changed in and by the Holy Spirit, because that's the only way that any of this comes about, is the way that we think about what happened and actually the way that we then feel about what happened. So we can't change what happened, but we can change our responses to what happened in and through and by the Holy Spirit. And I I found some stuff that was put together by a Christian clinical psychologist, very, very helpful. And he he uses this acronym um, REACH. Okay, so that's what I'm going to try on you. If it's useful, helpful, use it as a tool in your journey of working through forgiveness with others. Uh, if it's not, then just bin it. Um, but the first thing that we have to do is, um, is, our, is to recall the hurt. Is to recall the hurt. Somebody once said, uh, we eye the evil face to face and we call it what it is. Only realists can be forgivers. And the reality is that often, certainly in my experience, we just want to forget some painful memory. We just want to try and erase the whole thing. We want there's some vain attempt to take away the pain is if we just live in denial. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to dwell. Um, or what we try to do is we try to minimize it. And we say, well, you know, actually, it wasn't really a very big deal in the scheme of things. You know, I'm just overreacting. I'm sure they didn't really mean it. So we try and deny it, ignore it, or minimize it. But the first step in us actually getting free, and, and this is what this is all about. This is all about stepping into freedom, and the freedom that is as, as followers of Jesus is actually by facing the pain and the hurt and staring it down. And this can be really scary and can be really difficult, and I get that. You know, when we recall the hurt and the pain that we've experienced, um, you know, I try to do that, there are emotions that come up. It's, it's painful. It's not easy. And we need to be careful in this whole process when we're recalling the hurt that we we don't just end up fixating like on the negative stuff and then getting stuck in some kind of spiral of um, imagined vengeance, which is what I was doing at like three o'clock in the morning. 
what we've got to do is we've got to recall the hurt, but invite the Holy Spirit into that moment and just say, Holy Spirit, guard me and guide me through this. But the bottom line is, what we're wanting to do is we need to bring the situation out into the open. We need to bring it out into the light without kind of re-traumatizing ourselves in the process. And some people find uh, journaling this stuff very, very helpful. Uh, talking it through with someone, a trusted friend, is just a very helpful way of getting this stuff out of their heart and out of their head and into um, uh, conversation with someone. And eventually what we're trying to do is we're trying to recall the incident and the hurt as objectively as possible. Get some time with the Lord. Just spend some time in quiet and stillness in the presence of God and ask him to lead you through it. Maybe journal, maybe talk with a trusted friend, but ask the Holy Spirit to walk with you as you recall the event and what happened. Uh, try and remember what it felt like. Try and be as honest as you can. Uh, imagine it vividly. And, you know, it's okay in that moment to engage with and express negative emotions and feelings because when you're in that space, that's okay. Go back to, uh, if you want to dig into that a bit more, go back to the stuff we did earlier in this year on Rhythms of Grace when we did the couple of weeks on Elijah. Yeah, and how Elijah gets his emotions out in the presence of God. Go back and listen to that. But if you find your thoughts in that moment running wild, um, there's a, that's a good indication that you might need to do some more work on this. You might need some more healing. It might mean that you need some more prayer. You're going to need some help, basically, is what I'm saying. And that's okay. This stuff isn't easy to be doing in isolation. And sometimes the hurts and the pains and the things that we need to be forgiving others for are so great. We need additional uh, support. So come and get someone to pray for you on a Sunday morning. Come and get someone to pray for you in your small group. Go into as much detail or as little detail as you want to. Um, If it's not going anywhere and that doesn't feel like it's working or helping, then find a counselor. Find a good counselor and talk this stuff through with uh, them. And, and I think this starting phase, uh, they're all things that I did. You know? I, I mean, I, that, that, I had to do that just to try and get my thinking straight. And it was this combination of ministry and therapy. And those two things together are incredibly, incredibly helpful. And this starting phase uh, is in some ways like the hardest thing to do. And it's, uh, it's the very thing that a lot of us just want to ignore. I know I just wanted to ignore it because it's hard. It's painful. Try and think about it this way. Compared to the effects and the pain of unforgiveness, this whole process is totally worth it. This is absolutely necessary. And this isn't about excusing what happened. Okay? We're not excusing the offender or the offense. But what we're doing is we're beginning to honestly process you know, the emotions and the feelings that are attached to it all. Okay? So that's the first bit. That's the art. The second thing that we need to begin to explore is this, is, 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 um, is empathy. So what happens is we recall the hurt and we begin to get in touch with the pain of it all and we begin to sit in that a little with the, in the presence of God and with the Lord. Uh, we start to kind of overlay some of the anger that we're feeling with things like empathy and sympathy and love, right? That's what starts to kind of happen. And, and the best way, I think, to illustrate this is through a thing called the empty chair. Uh, picture, um, picture a young chap. Uh, he's 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 now in his thirties, and he's like 
He's pretty stuck. He's emotionally stunted. He's relationally dysfunctional. And he's that way all because he's been carrying this deep resentment towards his father for uh, probably the last 20 years. Uh, this chap, when he was 10 years old, his mother committed suicide. And his dad was in such deep pain after the sort of suicide of his, his wife that the father was totally relationally unavailable, emotionally, relationally distant and separated uh, from, the, from his boy and, um, and to his son as his son was growing up. And so many years later, uh, this chap is now in counselling and he's asked by his counsellor to imagine what he would say to his father if his father were sat across from him in an empty chair. So the young guy um, sits down, his counsellor says, just imagine that your father is sat there in this empty chair just across from you. What would you say to him? And so the, the guy says, uh, he just starts getting in touch, he recalls the hurt, and he says to his dad, he said, mum, you know, uh, he said, dad, mum died. You know, she was gone. And I felt like you were gone too. And you abandoned me when I needed you most. Mama just died, and then it was like you died too, and I felt like I had nobody, and you hurt me so much. And then the counselor says to him, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to go and sit in your father's seat, and I want you to imagine what he would say back to you. And so he sits, he goes, gets up, and he goes and sits in the other chair, and he thinks for a moment, and then he says to himself, he says, okay, I'll, let me try and imagine what it would have been like for my dad. And so when the counselor asks him what his father would say, speaking on behalf of his father, metaphorically back to himself, he says, as his father, he says, I am so, so sorry. I should have been there for you. I wish, I wish I'd been a better dad. But you know, when your mum died... Um, I was just devastated. It hurt me so much. And uh, all I could do was just barely survive. And, but I should have been there for you. And I'm so sorry. And then the therapist says one more time, okay, now go back and uh, sit back in your own chair and think about what your father has just said to you. And what would you like to say back to him? And so now sitting back in his own chair, 20 years on, imagining himself talking to his father, the, the son says, Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I was only 10 years old when mum died, and I had no idea what it must have been like for you. And for all these years, I've been resenting you, for all these years, I've just kept myself away from you. I've withdrawn from you. I've been angry towards you. And I am so, so sorry. Will you forgive me? And through that whole process, the son begins to empathize for the first time in years. He begins to imagine what things have been like for his father, what his dad had been through. And that was a real turning point in him beginning to actually really properly completely forgive his father. And this ability to empathize, this brings us like a massive step closer towards a, a more fuller experience of um, 
healing and forgiveness. When we sit in our perpetrator's seat and we begin to see things from their point of view, from their perspective, what's happening is we begin to see them as a fellow human being. And this begins to lead to like a genuine compassion. And what happens is we begin to realize that underneath it all, we are all made in the image of God and thereby the grace of God go I. What I've noticed about myself is I want to polarize everything, absolutely. Um, So when someone sins against me, I want to characterize them as being totally evil. Right? They, I just want to see all of the negative stuff that's in them. There is only negative stuff because they've hurt me. And that's the only way I can justify keeping them at distance. I don't want to see any good in them at all. And as the same t- at the same time as I demonize them, I deify myself because I am a complete innocent victim, uh, totally and utterly blameless and spotless and whiter than white. Right? Virtuous and good. They're all guilty. I'm all innocent. And that is just delusional. It's a little bit crazy. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, there's some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Now, is important. Empathy doesn't make inexcusable behavior okay. That's not what it's about. But it does help make it a little bit more understandable. Empathy is essential if we're going to work and walk out in forgiveness. And I found this incredibly hard. I found all of these processes really hard, which is why it's taken me 15 or 20 years. Um, I'm a very slow learner. Um, but I started simply by praying for those who I had felt uh, sinned against me and asking God to give me his heart for them. But I really wasn't very good at that either because I'd find myself going, God, give me your heart for those terrible people. My my prayers were a little um, toxic, uh, but I got there by the grace of God eventually. And then I, I, I imagined sitting them down and talking to empty chairs. And it, I, honestly, it really, it really helped. I felt a bit mad, uh, but it really opened my eyes to some stuff and to a perspective that I had perhaps been missing. Okay, now we're getting somewhere on our journey of forgiveness. But empathy is not enough to do the full work of forgiveness. We, we have to move beyond Um, empathy and into a place whereby we can offer something. We can offer the one who has hurt us a gift. And uh, that's the next stage is this altruistic gift. We need to offer them the altruistic gift of forgiveness. Uh, And one of the things that can really help us move forward in forgiveness is when we uh, imagine that our forgiveness is like um, a gift to the person who has hurt us. Um, Literally imagine yourself giving them a gift, a blessing. And that it's a gift that you are giving to them and for them. The perspective is it's not for you, it's for them. And this is really, really important. It's a gift that they desperately need. 
And it's a gift that they can only receive from you. You are the only one who can give it to them. And this moment, when you get to that place where you are able uh, to give this gift of forgiveness, literally in that moment, the kingdom of heaven comes on earth. Literally, that is the moment of the breakthrough of the kingdom because everything is being turned upside down because it should never happen in the natural. This is a completely and utterly supernatural act. Not only uh, do you then get freed up, um, but they get freed up and the people around you get freed up. The community is blessed. The impact of that kingdom moment is profound. So how do you do it? Well, I found it helpful to remember a time when somebody else had given me a gift of forgiveness. In, in the same way that someone else gave you that gift of forgiveness, now it's your turn to give that gift to somebody else. Because this is, a, this is, the, this is the very heart of the gospel, that's what this is all about. You know, the, the heart of the gospel story is the free gift of forgiveness, totally undeserved, totally unmerited, totally unearned, given by Jesus, suffering in pain on the cross, and giving us that free gift of forgiveness and what's happening is we are living out the gospel we are embodying we are the gospel incarnate when we then give that same gift of forgiveness to other people who have wronged us who don't deserve it who haven't earned it and sometimes that gift of forgiveness comes out of our pain and our suffering most of the time if not always it comes out of our pain and our suffering okay last couple of things uh, c commit to forgive uh, publicly and um, what sometimes happens in this whole journey in this walk with forgiveness is that you you forgive um, as best you possibly can and then sort of subsequently later on you doubt that you've actually done it it's like oh I thought I'd forgive maybe I haven't or did I did I do it oh I don't know did I do it properly then if I did it properly I better do it again it's like you know when you come to faith like a hundred times you know you kind of want to make sure that you're like actually a proper Christian so you give your life to Jesus you know again and again so you've you've recalled the whole thing you've empathized you've done this empty chair thing and, and you've given this gift of forgiveness and for a while everything is okay and you kind of feel like well the, the weight of this anxiety or worry is off my shoulders and then suddenly out of nowhere it all resurfaces again you're like what you know, like, I, I thought I dealt with this already. You know, now I've got to deal with it again? I could put it down. Like, I'm sure I've moved on from this. You know, I don't know. Maybe you see them somewhere, like I did unexpectedly. And all of this sort of pain and emotion and anger suddenly bubbles to the surface. And you're like, what? where did that come from? I haven't thought about them for years. Arr, now I've got to go back, do empty chair things. Or maybe it's that somebody else hurts you in exactly the same way. And suddenly it's like, it's like a, it takes you back. It's like a flashback and you're back in that original hurt and pain and wounding. Maybe you're just tired and stressed and you're not doing great and you're, you just want to take out your anger on someone somewhere somehow and they'll do. Um, maybe, maybe the same person wounds you and hurts you in exactly the same way. 
and it all comes flooding back. Any of these things can make us seriously doubt whether we've actually forgiven in the first place and whether we've actually made any progress or whether we're actually just terrible wretches. And so an important part of this whole process is to publicly commit to forgiving the person that's hurt you. And don't worry, I'm not going to get you all up here to kind of uh, start telling us how you're getting on with one another and your journeys of forgiveness. Um, it could just be as simple as like writing it down in your journal. Um, and, and, you know, and that could just be like a, like a declaration almost. Like, you know, write the date, write down specifically um, what you are forgiving this person from, who they are, and then write your kind of commitment, which is, I will not bring it up to them again. I will not bring it up to anyone else again. I will not bring it up to myself again. And then, and then sign it and date it. And maybe if you're feeling adventurous, get someone... Uh, in your small group spouse to witness it so that you're accountable for that process just an idea but maybe some of you need to do that some of you uh, maybe just need to find a trusted friend key thing here trusted friend to talk it through with um you know you sit them down you just say look i've been working through this thing and i just want you to know that before you and before God, I've forgiven them and I've released them. And will you pray, will you pray for me? Now, um, remember, forgiveness doesn't replace the hurtful memories of the circumstances or the event. What it does, forgiveness replaces the hurtful and the negative emotions that are attached to those memories. Um, forgiveness is a complex and emotional event. It's not. It's not just like a change of belief. Like you know, I should believe. I, sh- I should forgive. You know, I really don't want to, but I'm a Christian, so I better. <laughs> right? It's not that simple. It's 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 a decision. It's an ongoing decision. It's a decision I've been in process with for 15, 20 years. That's just on one. I could have given you countless examples. I, I, we're saying I choose to release them. I'm choosing, and again and again, to move forward into feeling love and peace whenever I think about them or see them or are reminded of them. So that's a blessing. Finally, um, H is hold fast. Hold on to forgiveness. Um, we get tempted into thinking about all the ways in which these people have hurt us. You know, I have a right to be angry. What about my rights? You know, I've been wounded. I've been offended. I've got rights. We have no rights. All our rights ended the moment we gave our life to Jesus. Um, and we're going to get tempted to get angry, you know. And, but what we want to do by the grace of God and with the help of those around us is to hold fast, hold on to forgiveness. Remember um, that the pain of remembered hurts does not mean that you haven't forgiven. You, you know, if you remember the pain of past hurts, that doesn't mean you're in unforgiveness necessarily. Unforgiveness requires that we are dwelling on the negativity of it all, of what they did, of, of how bad they are, and playing that over and over and over again, like I was doing at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's a symptom of unforgiveness, not just recalling some of the pain of the experience. All that stuff is the antithesis of forgiveness. Uh, remembering, that's not, that's okay. Um, also, when the negative emotions come up, 
you know, it, it, it's natural to feel them. That's okay. Just we choose not to dwell on them and spiral ourselves down into this kind of mire of moving into unforgiveness. Remind yourself that you've forgiven the person and remember that you did it and you said it publicly. Go back, reread your journal, read your statement, your declaration, your signature, your witness. Um, phone up the friend that you talked with and just say again maybe that you're struggling and that you just want to recommit to releasing the people, the person that you've been struggling with. There's something about doing this publicly, doing this with a fellow human being, getting this whole thing out into the light and, and saying it all out loud is so incredibly powerful. But remember, forgiveness is, just, is not a one-off event. Would that it were. It's a, it's a process. It's a journey that we're going on again and again and again. I've been on this journey of forgiveness with just one person for over 15 years. So... Hopefully that will make you all feel much better about how brilliant you all are at forgiving others. And you can all talk next week um, about how we should really do it. There are five steps that we go over and over again and again and again and again. Um, you know, seven times? No. Seventy times, seven times. Jesus told us it was a process, it was ongoing. Each time there's a little more freedom, each time there's a little more peace, each time there's a little more life. As we recall the hurt, as we empathize, we give the gift of altruist, the, the altruistic gift of forgiveness, we commit to forgiving publicly, and we hold first, hold fast. And, and maybe start with something small um, and work through that, use some of these tools if you think that's helpful to help you work through something small and see uh, how you get on. But whatever you do, um, keep going, keep pressing on, um, because we're coming into that place. We're constantly wanting to be in that place where we're resonating with the prayer of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts, O God, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Make sense? Nod politely. Why don't you stand?